things before we get going. Um, I just want to remind you guys, um, the uh, Together in His Arms 5K, some of you guys already know about that. Um, there's some flyers out there. Apparently, uh, it's more than just the run. They have balloon artists, face painting, 50-50 raffle, Forever Wild is going to be down there. They're from up here. They're going to be down there. Specialty vendor boots, live music. We're going to have some food trucks um, down there. Kind of looking forward to that. Um, <laughs> and um, it's just going to be a fun day. Uh, the, the, run, the race starts at 9 o'clock. Um, a lot of you guys or some of you guys know people that are going to be running. My daughter's going to be running it. I was going to run it, um, but my foot's been hurting. Dang it. <laughs> I mean, I haven't run in over nine months. I, I, I was actually running for a time, people. I know it doesn't look it, but I was. I, from who? <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, and some of you guys are walking it great. I mean, but just go down there and support. I'm going to be down there uh, supporting not just Deanna, my daughter, but the families and stuff. And uh, it's interesting. Somebody was telling me that normally at this uh, Together in His Arms 5K they usually get like, I don't know, about 300 people or something like that. And they've doubled it because of the people from the high desert up here who have gotten involved. Because a lot of the high desert has gotten involved because it's, uh, it's our families uh, that, that have lost loved ones here. But other people that have lost loved ones, I don't know if they're running it, but they've gotten involved because these people have reached out to the high desert. And um, blessed while brokenness or broken is the ministry that started here, an offshoot of these guys. They, they eventually want to do stuff like this as well so that they can raise money to bless and help the families just like they were helped. And uh, these people, uh, together in his arms, this ministry really came alongside um, the families up here and just showed love. And, um, and again, it takes financial stuff to help them along, even with some of the finances and stuff. And so... Um, be praying for this ministry together in his arms and also uh, for the one that, that Kyle and Christy are, are doing up here from our church, um, Blessed While Broken, and, um, and see what happens with that because I know that they're going to be used in a powerful way, okay? Another prayer request that I have for you guys is some of the ladies from our church, um, Jerry Anderson, the one that leads our women's ministry, and Anna Schombers. And uh, Lindsay Spampanato um, took off today. I think they were they taking off today, Mark, or t- they took off today because they're doing a women's retreat up in Oregon, and so they're doing the teaching and the worship up there. And so be praying for our ladies that have gone to go bless someone else, uh, just like you ladies were blessed having people come in. They're they're now going somewhere and blessing others. And so before we get into our study, I want to have some prayer time. We can pray about what's happening on Saturday and some of the people that will be there. And again, it's for hurting families, but a lot of support, praying for our ladies. And if there's anything else that you are needing to lift up to the Lord, don't be ashamed to pray out loud. Um, One of the things that happens when you're kind of praying back there and you want to pray for something, you you start praying towards the ground and we can't amen you over here. Amen. So kind of just, you know, I don't want to embarrass anybody, but like that we can like, we're not going like, what did they say? Okay, Lord, well, you know. And that's cool too, but but just pray with some boldness to uh, 
And so let's just take a few minutes of praying. And so, Greg, would you start us off with prayer?
Father, I do pray for, <coughs> Lord, what's going to be happening on Saturday down the hill. As many of our church family will be there, and many from the high desert will be there. Lord, I pray that, Lord, if um, there's any, and I'm sure there will be, those who are not saved who will be there, that God, somehow, Lord God, you would use the brothers and sisters that are around them, that they're running with, walking with, um, just hanging out, Lord God, that you would use um, the brothers and sisters to reach out to the people that are there that don't know you. I know that many will be there that that have lost their their loved ones, Lord. Some of them who are not saved, Lord, who need your love and your touch. And so we pray for open doors for us, Lord, that you would put us in right places to be able to minister and to just comfort by your spirit, Lord. I pray for our families, Lord, those who have lost loved ones, Lord, who are still battling, Lord, the hurt. May God, you would just come alongside and give them strength day by day, lifting them up, Lord God, with your comfort, Lord, reminding them of your peace. And so, Lord, we just pray for our families here. May God, you would just watch over them, give them strength, God. Lord, we're just so blessed, Lord, to be able to come before you as our holy God, the one who sent his son so that we might have the relationship that we can have today with you, Lord. Thank you for Jesus' obedience to the cross. We praise you, Father, for those things, Lord. God, I don't know what everybody's going through right now in their lives. Lord, situations that uh, linger around them, but I pray, God, that right now you would just allow them lay those things aside and to just sit in your presence, Lord, and to receive from you. Lord, I pray that you would give them strength, Lord, as I know it's late and many have worked throughout the day. Give them strength for tonight. Give them ears to hear. Help their attention, Lord. Help me, Lord, even as I deliver the message, Lord, this, the study that you've laid on my heart to be able to convey it with clarity and understanding. And I thank you, Lord God, for this opportunity to stand before you and your people to share your word, Lord. And we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, it has now been about four weeks since uh, we were last in the book of Acts. So if you would make your way over to the book of Acts. We are still in chapter 18, and we will finish it this evening. I meant to finish it last evening, or last week um, on, on a Thursday, but we got sidetracked, and that was okay. We were totally blessed. And that's one of the things that I just absolutely love about the Holy Spirit, in how um, there's times that we can get ready for what we have on our hearts to do, but He directs. And he guides. And to be open, to be able to say, okay, Lord, this is what you wanted. I had my plans, but this is what you wanted. And, and, and this, that's what he had in store. And so continue to pray for even Angie and her family and just her, her heart to share with us uh, last week. And uh, just that the Lord would continue to bless and encourage my sister and, and my brother. 
Um, and again, if, if the Lord lays something on your heart, um, come and talk to me about these things. Um, see if the Lord wants you to share it with the rest of the body, and we will pray together about these things. But um, what we left off was that, um, and again, it's been a while, uh, Paul, the apostle, was finishing up his second missionary journey in chapter 18. After about two years or so, maybe a little longer, he had covered quite a bit of ground. <clears throat> Although he did stay in Corinth for about a year and a half, it could be closer to three years that he was on this journey, that he went out. Um, <clears throat> again, I, I don't know if he had a time frame in mind when he started, uh, or he was just wanting to be led by the Holy Spirit to go and just say, Lord, these are the places that I want to go. And, and, that, and it's interesting because along the way, he, he, he did pick up some people as he, as he went. And the only one that we know of that he took with him uh, on his second missionary journey was, was Silas. And, and they had the heart to go and, and go back to the people that they had visited the first time around. Silas wasn't with him the first time, but he wanted to go back. There was that split between him and, and Barnabas, and he took Silas to, to go up there. And even as they, they stopped at a couple of places where they had been there before, they picked up some people, and they continued on. And it's interesting because as we see them come back, or see him come back, we see that he had dropped off some people along the way as well. Um, it's quite possible that Silas was left in Ephesus and, and so was Timothy, one of the guys that he picked up, um, because it would be a straight shot to go back for Timothy to Lystra and, and those places. But we know that he also had picked up a couple of other p people in Corinth. Uh, um, what's call it? Um, Priscilla and Aquila. He had picked them up. And it's, it, it, it looks like he had dropped them off in Ephesus as well. And so again, um, we, we see him almost, it seems like, coming back by himself. And some might think, well, what a sad thing. He comes back, he leaves with somebody, comes back by himself. And I don't think it's a sad thing at all. I think the fact that he was able to pick up people and leave people along the way he, he, he poured into them, he ministered to them, and he had enough confidence in them to leave them behind to continue to minister. He, he, he knew what the Lord had called him to do. <clears throat> and on the second missionary journey, um, he, he, he again was led to places that he didn't know he was going to be going, but he had confidence enough with the people that he picked up to say, you know what, you need to stay. Or they had a desire to stay. And he said, man, you, you, we have hung out together enough that I know that I could trust you with the people or the churches that have gotten started here. And so, again, he, he, he's being directed by the Holy Spirit along the way. It's interesting because in that trip, when he, after he picked up Timothy, he, he desired to, to go down towards Ephesus and towards that region and he was forbidden. And then he wanted to go up north, and he was forbidden to go there. He wasn't allowed to go there. And again, he, he, he went the way that God wanted, wanted him to go. And so it's not what he wanted, was, it was what God wanted for him. 
basically is like what God, where God needed him to be. That's where he went. And churches were started like in Philippi. Again, I don't think he had a plan of being in Philippi, but he went to Philippi. It was a strategic city. He went to Thessalonica, another city, that even though he wasn't there for a very long time, he gets kicked out, he starts a church or some believers begin to gather together and in a time of less than a month, these people just fall in love with with Paul and the church begins to grow. He also, like I said, spent some time in Corinth. Corinth was a very perverted city. And yet he decided to stay there for a while because there was a lot of work to be done. And he wasn't afraid of staying in this kind of city. And he met that's where he met Priscilla and Aquila and he hung out there for a while. And then we see that he came back as he was on his way back. He stopped in Ephesus. And it doesn't tell us what went on in Ephesus, but he stayed for a little time, short time. But that's where he left Priscilla and Aquila. He left them there. And it's quite possible that, again, that's where Silas and and Timothy headed out from there more inland. These were not places he had planned to go for the most part. But they were but but he was led there by the Lord and there was much fruit because of it. The apostle Paul had made a vow of some kind that he wanted to be back in Jerusalem for a certain time and he would keep that vow. And so he makes him his way back to Jerusalem. That's where we kind of left him off that he made himself made made his way back to Caesarea and then to Jerusalem and then he headed home home was Antioch in Samaria not Samaria Syria uh up north and so here we are in Acts 18 beginning in verse 23 it says after he spent some time there he departed and went over the region of Galatia and Phrygia in order, in order, strengthening the disciples. Now a certain Jew named Apollos, born in Alex- Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogues. When Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he desired to cross to Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him. And when he had arrived, they greatly, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace. For he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly, showing from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. Going back to verse 23. 23 almost kind of stands alone. Um, in regards to the rest of those verses. It says that after he had 
come back, he had spent some time there. It, it, it almost sounds like he hadn't been home long before his heart, Paul's heart, was stirred once again to be on the move, to get going, um, to be on the road again. It's, it, it's quite possible that, that it, he probably lasted about a year there in Syria before he, he went out, probably planning and getting things together. But it's quite possible that, that he had spent just a little bit of time there. A year for Paul was nothing. And so his heart was stirred once again. Now one would think, I guess in the common, trying to get some common sense or, or, or being in the flesh kind of, um, that with all that would happen in, in, in the second journey, and even before the journey even started, how Paul was here battling with Barnabas and they split these good friends and then he takes off. And, and, and it seems like as soon as they get to certain places, all of a sudden things start coming against Paul and the team. And again, one would think that with all these things that had happened, one would get back after a journey like that and begin to evaluate this whole trip. They would begin to assess and review, okay, what happened? How did things happen? How did, you know, we, we went here, we went there. What happened here? This, boom, boom, boom. And, and you would begin to kind of weigh things out and begin to think, why do I want to put myself through this once again? Why is my heart stirred to go and, and, and put myself out there once again? If this other time that I went, I mean, I could have died, <laughs> There was things that happened in my life. Again, when someone begins to evaluate things like that, when you start thinking like, okay, common sense would say, let's not travel no more. <laughs> or, or, or if you're a companion of Paul going, uh, I don't know if I want to travel with Paul. Because every time he goes somewhere, something bad happens, it seems like. And so you would begin to think, you know, there's just like this... This thing about traveling with Paul, it's kind of dangerous. If you're thinking more in the flesh or, and I, I, I don't know if that's the right word to use or common sense, that, that you would say, it's just, not, it's just not working out, bro. Maybe that's not your calling to go out because it always ends up, you know, you being beat up or you being in jail or, or people running you out of town type things. You know, again, we would sometimes look at that as like, yeah, bro, maybe you should like clean the church. Maybe join the worship team. There's no like, you know, drama there. Um, maybe you should just stay at home, you know, because when you go out, bad things happen. But this is where the word calling comes into play. This is where the word calling comes into play because when, when you know that you have been called, <laughs> it's almost like you can't help it, but you go out and you put yourself out there. Because Paul could have easily just said, you know, this just doesn't make sense anymore to continue doing this, to putting myself out there. I don't know if it's worth it anymore. But if you've been called to do this, it's almost as if, even if it doesn't make 
sense to anybody else. It's almost as if you can't help it. I, I, that's, my heart is to be there. E- even if it's not just a missionary, because again, I, I, Alex and Lindsay aren't here. I don't quite understand missionaries sometimes. It's like, why? Why would you want to go? But see, I haven't been called to be a missionary, so I don't know what that feels like. I know what I've been called to do to pastor. And I know there's some people who's like, I'm glad you do that because I could never do that. I don't want that kind of pressure. And it's like, yeah, but I, I, I love it. You know, I just thrive it, you know, doing what I get to do, you know. So I know what my calling is. Other people, you know, I've talked to, to others. It's like, man, I tried it and it's like, no way. That's not where, what, what I want. I'd rather go work for somebody and be out there working among secular people because they're sometimes nicer. It's like, what? <laughs> but it's not always going to make sense when we hear the word calling in your life and you have been called to certain things. I, 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 I truly believe that everybody's been called to something. Even if it's called to be the best construction worker, you are called to do that. Go do it. If you're called to do to stay at home, good. You have been called to raise your kids or your grandkids or whoever. You have been called to do that. And some people would say, well, why don't you just get out of the house? Why would you do that? It's like, I've been called for this. And I truly believe that everybody has a certain calling in their lives. And it doesn't make sense to everybody. But when we're talking about somebody like Paul... It, it might not make sense to anybody else except to him and the Lord. And other people might, might be naysayers of saying, Paul, quit doing this to yourself. Why do you put, that, put, your, put, put this upon yourself? And we'll see that in his third missionary journey, man, he just pours out something that's so heavy. I don't want to give it away, but man, he just kind of goes to the point where it's like, I don't even count my life dear to me as long as I'm going forward and doing the gospel. Whatever I can go do for the gospel, I, I, I don't even count my life worthy. And so again, we have all been called to walk worthy of the calling with which we have call, been called. And so we are to fulfill that calling. When the Lord calls us, it's not for me, for myself. It's for Him and for others. That's usually what a calling will consist of. Not so you could be glorified or lifted up, but it's because you've been called for His glory and for the purpose of taking care of somebody else and doing for somebody else. That's what a calling is usually all about. And so if Paul would have started focusing on himself of what all happened in his life, he probably would have just given it up and said, I'm not doing it anymore. But it wasn't about him. It was about what God wanted to do in him and through him to glorify God and to minister to others. Now, with all the bad things that happened to Paul and and the team on that journey, there was a lot of good that happened as well. And and, and if you kind of jotted things down as the good and bad, I could guarantee you, 
Even if the bad outweighed the good, the good was far better than the bad. Because the good represented people coming out of hell and into heaven. It was eternal. It it, it wasn't about good and bad. It it was about what was the best to do. And, and, And the good things that happened, because again, I think physically or fleshly, we often focus on the bad and we say, well, I just don't want to do that no more. And yet there's so much more good that can come out of all these things that happen in ministry or in the calling. But if we focus on the bad, then again, we're probably going to give it all up. It can be a hindrance to us. (laughs) And we don't want to continue. But if we know that we have been called of God, then it's not about you. It's not of, of how much prestige you might get out of this calling. It's about serving God and serving others. And so Paul had a decision to make when he got back home to Syria. He had a decision to make. As he might have weighed it all out, he could have just settled there. And he probably would have been fine. He probably would have done okay for himself. If he would have got back from the second missionary journey and thought, that's it, I am done. I'm okay. Lord, please release me from the calling. I I will be okay here. I will minister and just stay home. He would have probably done fine. He might have even been happy. But he had a heart. He had a heart to go back. And it was that heart that just tugged on him and he knew what he had to do. And again, it goes back to calling. And not everybody is called to be a missionary. Not everybody is called to be in full-time ministry. Not everybody is called to do certain things. But we are all called to serve him. And we have all been called according to his purpose. And it's like, okay, Lord, what is what my calling so that I can fulfill what your purpose is in my life. I think that's what we should be praying. Because again, I, I know I, I, I've talked to many missionaries um, throughout the years and they think like, man, if you're not praying to be a missionary, then you, you, your life doesn't matter. And, and being a youth pastor for so long, I'm thinking, man, why doesn't everybody want to be a youth pastor? Why doesn't everybody want to you know, minister to youth? You know, in, in this position, it's like, man, this is like the best thing ever, too. You know, it's like my other favorite. You know, it's like, wow, Lord, you just continue to, 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 to help me enjoy the calling that you've called me to. And so, again, I know not everybody is called to do particular things, but you have been called by God. And it's your job or your desire to know, Lord, what is that? And so... It tells us that Paul departs and he went over the region of Galatia and Phrygia. Again, if he was in Syria, he went up and around and and, and started heading west to those areas where he was able to go back to Derbe, Lystra, Iconium, and and Antioch, which was in Pisidian. Um, In those areas, those were three cities or, or for these places, that this would be the third 
the third time that he would visit these places. Those three pla- or those areas were the places that he went all three times. His heart, this is Paul's heart here. And this is why he did what he did. His heart was to go back strengthening all the disciples. That was his desire. Not to build a name for himself, not to have churches named after him in any way. His heart was to go back and strengthen those he had ministered to. He knew what God had done in the lives and hearts of others, and he wanted to go back and encourage them, strengthen those who had come to Christ, and in the process, continue to preach the gospel so that others can, be, can come to Christ as well. The writer of the book of Acts here, Luke, doesn't give us the details of what happened in, that re- in those regions of Galatia and, and uh, Phrygia. He doesn't expound on those at all. And more than likely is because he wants to get us to Ephesus. Because he will now come up, visit those areas, and then head on down south. Kind of like, again, I gave you guys a picture a while back of the United States coming around uh, Florida and then headed up uh, northeast or northwest. He would go now southwest. That's where he wanted to go the other time, and this time he was being allowed to go. And so the, the, the narrative here is to be in Ephesus, to let us know what happens there. But before Paul gets there, the writer turns the storyline, and from verse 24 on, he, he tells us what's going on there in the meantime, before Paul gets there. Before Paul even gets there, he starts telling us about what happened in verse 24 where it says, A certain Jew named Apollos from Alexandria had come to Ephesus. It's almost like parenthesis here. You know, shift the scene. Paul's going to start heading off down this way and he's going to go do those things and the scene changes to Ephesus. And what's going on at that time? Here we're... uh, um, Aquila and Priscilla are at. And it says that this certain young man got there. Paul had left Ephesus to go back to to Jerusalem a while back. Priscilla and Aquila are there continuing the work. And it doesn't tell us the exact timing of when Apollos came to Ephesus. If it was right after Paul left or if he had already been there. It was a city of about 300,000 people or more. And so it could have been that he was in different parts of the city. And we don't know exactly when he was there, but he, was, he showed up. And at one point, this man shows up and starts speaking in the synagogue where Priscilla and Aquila were going to be at. This man was born in Alexandria, which is the capital of, of Egypt. And he had become a believer, or he had heard of the message... <laughs> Of John the Baptist. Interesting. In other words, he had gotten saved by the baptism of repentance for the remission of sin that that John the Baptist preached when he was on the scene. Long time before. This man, it says, that, that he had a lot going for him. He was eloquent. He knew how to speak. He was mighty in Scripture. He studied and knew the Scriptures, the Old Testament. 
he was instructed in the way of the Lord. He was fervent in spirit, means that he was on fire. This guy had some some power behind him. He spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, it says. And he spoke boldly. He, he, he spoke freely and fearlessly. That's what, what this man did. That's who he was. All the while only knowing part of the story. It's interesting because he only knew the baptism of John. He didn't know the complete story. He didn't have the complete story. And yet this guy is preaching it up wherever he went. Somehow he gets to Ephesus and he is throwing down the, the, this message that he has. And he's not relenting. He's not backing down. And some people will say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa. How could he stand up there and preach not knowing the rest of the story? Because in, the, in essence, he is preaching the Old Testament with the hope of the Messiah. <laughs> and so he doesn't have the full story. The way he came across didn't... It, it, it's like he had this power behind him and it doesn't seem like he was afraid of sharing this. It, it wasn't the first time. But all he knew was the baptism of John. And, and I know in, in reading some of the commentaries, they, they were talking about how, well, he was probably more of a religious kind of guy. Because he, he was preaching more religion than relationship because he didn't have a relationship. But he's preaching of the hope that was to come. And he was preaching about repentance for the remission of sin. For the forgiveness of sin. He really didn't know that Jesus had already finished the work. And so it's interesting to me because it's like, okay, well, was he kind of just a religious guy that had all this head knowledge, but he didn't know all the story. He didn't have that personal relationship. Again, some might say, I, I, I don't know if that's right or wrong. You know, as I'm looking at this, I'm going, okay, well, was it good of him to do this or not? He had this boldness. He had this intensity about him. But he didn't even know the rest of the story. But I give this guy credit. I, I, I give him some props here because he was teaching what he knew. He was still preaching and teaching of the hope that was before them. And it's interesting that it's now been over 30 years since Jesus had been had been killed and, and resurrected and all the finished work was done. And yet he still hadn't heard the rest of it. And yet he's going out there teaching. And, and, and I'm thinking, well, I, I'm kind of siding with him in the sense that he wasn't teaching a different doctrine. He just didn't know it all. He, he wasn't teaching something false. He didn't have all the truth. Hmm. It's almost like he had an old map <laughs> and he didn't know that they had built all this stuff around and he just still had this old map and he needed an update. Here we have a man who only had a little bit. It was incomplete. But he gave what he had. 
And when I think about this, and as I was studying about this and, and overlooking it or, or looking it over again, thinking, we have the complete story. He didn't have the complete story. We know the finished work of Jesus Christ. And I thought, and what do we do with that? Here we see a man who didn't have the complete story, and he was so on fire of this message, and he didn't even have the complete word. He didn't have the complete story. I I would rather see people do it the way he did it than the way people don't do it that have everything. At least he put himself out there. Now, I'm sure when Aquila and Priscilla first heard him, they were stunned. They were amazed at, at, at the, the words that were coming from this man, the, the eloquence and everything that, 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 that he had that was coming out. I'm sure they were like, who is this guy? But I'm also sure that they were shocked when they heard that he only went as far as the baptism of John. I'm sure they're sitting there going, yeah, come on, bro, you're, you're preaching it up. Everything's going good, man. What else? You know, come on. And it's like, done. It's all he knew. It's all he had. But he wasn't holding back in any way. And I like the way they went about talking to him. I, I, I like the way that Priscilla and Aquila, when they were there, hearing all that was going on, that they didn't just speak up and say, wait a minute. No. They waited until it was all done. And it says in verse 26, when, when Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the word of God more accurately. In other words, they didn't blast him for not knowing all the story. If anything, they might have been excited that this guy had a passion. But I'm sure at the same time they were saddened that he hadn't heard yet about the finished work. But can you imagine how Apollos must have felt when Priscilla and Aquila, finally someone, took the time to bring him aside and to talk to him. Because it doesn't tell us that anybody else had ever talked to him. And it's quite possible that maybe he did and he just kept on refuting it. I don't know. But in this instance, they take him aside and they tell him that Jesus had already come. That Jesus had already finished the work and that the gospel was already going forth. And it had already been in that place. Again, being as big as Ephesus was, he's probably thinking, I've been here for a while. Nobody's told me anything. I've been going to synagogue after synagogue. And nobody's saying, hey, man, you're preaching about something that's already done because we have these other crazy people over here. Nobody told them anything. I mean, he could have got offended. How dare these common tent makers school me that way (laughs) but we don't hear that from him either with all that he had going for him who he who 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 he was in all of those things 
it seemed like he also had some humility to be able to be sat down (laughs) or to sit under this couple and learn and listen. I love that about this man. (laughs) Now he would be more effective. Now he would be more efficient because now he had the complete story. It would have been sad if he's like, oh, yeah, okay. I'm just going to sit here and do nothing now. If anything, man, that just fired him up even more. Knowing the full story, knowing all, now he had the complete story, the rest of the story. Now he was ready. It's quite possible that Aquila and Priscilla had taken him into his home or into their home as they did to Paul when they were in Corinth. And now that Apollos had the whole story, there was nothing stopping this man. He was so stoked about what he had learned. The fact that what he had been preaching was only this much. And now he had it all. And he was ready to go. It doesn't tell us the timeline of how long he sat under these guys. Or if he just like took it all in, took it all in. I'm sure it was humbling not knowing it, not knowing it all, but now that he knew it all, he wanted everybody to know. And it says that it was now time for a grasshopper to leave. That's a pebble from my hand. Time for you to leave. He had that desire to get out, to go. His desire was to cross to Achaia, which would be Corinth. Maybe in talking to Priscilla and Quilla and telling him what was going on over there and how wicked it was and and all the work that was happening, he's probably going, man, that's my place. I could thrive in a place like that. And we know from 1 Corinthians that he did. We, we, We know that once he got there and he began to minister to them, people were attracted to him. So much so that they... The the people themselves, I don't think it was initiated by Apollos. Some people would say, oh, I am of Cephas. Oh, I am of Apollos. Oh, I am of Paul. And others said, I am of Christ. They had little divisions going on around them. And Apollos was one of those. He, he, He got there and people started going, I want to listen to this guy. Apollos had grown in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. He had the rest of the story. And he was more ready than ever to go out and begin to minister. And the brethren that were in Ephesus were so excited to send him. Because he had probably they probably began to see the growth in his life. And they wrote a letter to the brethren over in Corinth to receive him. To allow him to come in. They had confidence in him. Receive him. He will be good for you. And he will teach you. He will be a good teacher for you, a good pastor for you. It says that when he got there, he greatly helped those who who believed through grace. I think if anything, he understood grace more than ever as well. The Apostle Paul had a desire to go back to strengthen the brethren, the disciples. 
It says that he, he, he would go to establish and impart new strength to them. That was his heart. That's what he was called to do. Apollos had the same kind of desire to go out. He had a calling upon his life. He wanted to go out. He wanted to teach others. He wanted to pour himself out. He wanted to do battle. (laughs) He didn't want to just take it all in and say, okay, hey man, thanks for all the teaching. It says that when he got there, he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly. Showing from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. Man, he had, he had known a lot about those things and now he had the rest of the story. He had the complete story. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, he says, and he, God himself, has gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. God has called certain people in, in, to, to, to be in certain arenas or certain places so that they might teach others. And yet those who are placed in, that, in those positions are not above still learning, as we see in Apollos. They are not above being strengthened themselves by others. But they have been called to teach others. And the purpose for teaching others from the front (laughs) is so that the ministry will go out even further. Because one man cannot do it all. One staff of a church cannot do it all. This is what I love about the calling (laughs) that Paul had, that Apollos had, that the Lord has given me to be able to teach and to share so that you can go do the work of the ministry as well. I love it. Because if everybody from here went to 10 different places, how far can the gospel reach? You go to places where I can never be. And so you take what God has taught you and you go. Paul had a desire to go out. We'll we'll begin next week to see how God began to use the third missionary journey and to see how God continued to use Apollos and and all the people that that, that were involved in this whole thing. Um, If you want, read ahead. Amen? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you again, once again, Father, for your promises and your word. Lord, the fact that you call us to be your children, to be involved, Lord God, in other people's lives, Lord. Father, I do pray for my brothers and sisters, Lord. I do ask, God, God that they would be desirous to know what, you, what the calling is in their life, Lord. Father, that they would not minimalize any of the callings that you have called them to, Lord. That they would not think that they are not as important because we all are the, the body of Christ, Lord. And so I pray for my brothers and sisters. Show them where they need to be, Lord. Encourage them. Help their hearts, Lord God, to have a desire to fulfill the calling. So, Lord, as they seek your face, 
as they see what, what you're calling them to do, Lord God, that they would not just sit idly by, but that they would seek your face day by day for direction and guidance. Lord, you've given us two examples, Lord, here. One of Paul and one of Apollos, Lord, who desired to go, to not be still, to fulfill what you've called them to fulfill. And so, Lord, please work in us, Lord. Help us in the callings that you've called us to. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.